I want to thank you for joining in to our Bible study this evening, and I also want to encourage you to have your Bible with you there and join me in Exodus 35. I want to take the next several Sunday evening studies and look at generosity, really. Look at stewardship, focusing on Victory Sunday, June the 4th. Just reestablishing in our minds and in our hearts what God desires to do and is able to do through us. And tonight we come to a classic passage of Scripture on an offering. You understand the Greek word that is church references an assembly of people that are called out for a specific purpose. It's a gathering. As a church, we recognize that we're not just a mere gathering. We gather together for the cause of Christ. And as we gather together, the church, we recognize that we're surrounded by brothers and sisters. It's a family. As you study through the Word of God, you'll note that God's people gathering together for a purpose— Gathering together as a family is not something new, but in fact goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You'll note here in verse 1 of Exodus 35 that Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together. Now I want to be very careful. I am not saying this was the church that is gathering. But I just want you to sense and to see that God's people have gathered for a purpose, even back in Exodus chapter 35. The Hebrew word gathered there communicates they gathered as an assembly. It was a visible gathering of people. Now that word is first used a few chapters earlier in a negative way when we read back in Exodus 32 and verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Moses had delayed a little bit. God God had kept him there. And the people gathered together for an evil scheme. Here in Exodus 35, it's used not negatively, but positively. In Exodus 32, they gather together. They give gold. They take off their jewelry. And Aaron produces those golden calves that they worship. But now God's calling them together. Now they're gathering, now they're assembling for a different purpose, for a holy purpose. They're coming together to do something big. You recognize that we're able to do more together. There is the old acrostic of team, together everybody achieves more. I think sometimes those cliches are kind of corny, but I do believe with that one there is truth to it. And here in Exodus chapter 35, what we will encounter is a group of believers come together to tackle a project that is bigger than any one of them individually could fulfill. 
Now, as you study the Bible, you'll note that there are building projects referenced throughout. Maybe a few stand out more than others. You'll remember that Solomon built the temple, that David had a desire to build it, but God did not allow him, and so he prepared so that Solomon, his son, could build the temple. You've probably studied or heard the story of Nehemiah returning to rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem. Those are major construction projects discussed within the Bible. Even Solomon's house is talked about. But here we encounter another one of those building projects. It's a portable place of worship. It is the tabernacle. But in this, we see a great example of God's people coming together to do something in accordance with God's will that was bigger than any one of them individually could carry out. And in it, we see a pattern for us to follow. This was a big project. It's always interesting to note that when God wants to do something big, he often, most of the time, begins by simply stirring the heart of those who know him to engage them in the project. God does the stirring. It all starts with God. As we consider the project of the building of the tabernacle, we understand that God could have done this on his own. This is God in this time who had sent the plagues on Egypt. This is God who in this time parted the Red Sea. This is God who was leading by a pillar of cloud and by a pillar of fire. This is God who can do anything. This is God to whom nothing is impossible. God could have opened up the heavens and dropped the completed tabernacle down to the ground for the children of Israel to simply use. But God chose to partner with these people for them to have some investment in what he was doing. He knows, he understands that we learn more about God, we learn more about ourselves, and we grow in faith when we participate in something like this. Now maybe we're thinking how monumental, how big a project could the tabernacle have actually been? It was curtains. Well, a little study was done, and I found it quite interesting, and I don't want you to miss this. Though it was certainly portable, it was an elaborate and quite ornate structure. One did a study on the tabernacle some time ago and concluded that the people invested the equivalent of $50 million just in the gold, silver, and brass that was used to construct the furnishings. They'd been greatly blessed, as you recall, when they left Egypt. They spoiled the Egyptians. God had given them that, and they used what God had given them to, in a way, reinvest. This was a huge sacrifice for this nomadic group of people to come up with this quite ornate and elaborate structure. And yet we'll find that they're joyous in the midst of it. I want to just communicate some simple principles because we're talking about an offering that we're going to take on June the 4th. We're talking about a project that's looming in the very near future for us. And I am saying you have the opportunity 
to joyfully be a part. But let's establish something that is made clear in verse 1. Let's reread that. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. Moses is not rallying them to his cause. Moses is not just casting a vision for a multicolored, curtained tabernacle. He is directing them to see that what they are about to engage in is something that was born, origin, sourced in God. He wanted the people to know that this was God's desire for their next step. This is not merely something that was on his mind. This is not merely something that solved a need for them. It was God's work, and in doing God's work, this was the expectation. So in response to that, the people excitedly get involved. Note as this meeting concludes what we read in verses 21 and 22 of chapter 35. And they came. Everyone, get this, whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments, and they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted. Do you pick up that theme? This is not coerced. This is not manipulated. This is not a tax. These are individuals whose hearts were stirred up, whose spirits were made willing, who came with willing hearts, and it was men, and it was women, and it was young, and it was old, and they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. They didn't give it to Moses. They didn't give it to a tabernacle. They gave it to the Lord because it wasn't about Moses. Because it wasn't even about the tabernacle. It was all about the Lord. Willing hearts responding to what God was doing. That is the proper mindset to have. Real joy in your life and in my life comes from engaging in what God is doing. Comes from submitting ourselves to and engaging in the will of God. Joy in life is seeking to do God's will. Now, I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I want you to understand that what we have the privilege of being a part of is God's work. And there are willing-hearted people who are giving in this moment. Again, let me be clear, not to Moses, not even to a cause, but their offering is offered up to the Lord. Now, we read this in Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord. Align your life with the Lord and what he's doing, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That sounds a little prosperity-ish. But let me say, he's not saying that if we delight in the Lord, the Lord will give us what we want. He is saying that if we engage in what the Lord is doing, and we align our lives with him, he will teach us than to desire what it is that he is doing. That's true fulfillment. Aligning our lives with his will and together with God doing something that lasts. No one will happily give an offering as these people did 
without sincerely seeking God and his will and doing what God wanted. That's what Matthew says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. With God, with God, with God. Not just with God. Did you note in this how generous they were? We read a moment ago, they came with willing hearts and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and jewels of gold. They brought unto the Lord. They responded promptly. They responded sacrificially. They certainly responded with generosity. I mean, it's clearly outlined for us in those verses. They brought. They brought all kinds of stuff. Somebody wrote this, what they brought consisted of the most precious metals, of the finest stuff in linen manufacture, with embroidered workmanship, the richest and most gorgeous colors, the most beautiful and costly gems. It was absolutely necessary by means of some external apparatus to bring out the idea of the surpassing glory and magnificence of Jehovah as the King of Israel and of the singular honor which was enjoyed by those who were admitted to minister and serve before him. But this could only be done in this moment by the rich and costly nature of the materials and they gave sacrificially, generously. They understood, in effect, That what they had in their hands, they're a nomadic people who had been in slavery and bondage, was gifted to them by God in heaven as they spoiled the Egyptians, and now they're responding generously and sacrificially back to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you got to give gold and jewels and that we have to build ornate structures, but there's a principle here that giving to God with gratitude enables us to be generous and sacrificial and should produce within us that willing heart. Second Corinthians 9, 7. God makes something clear. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. God loveth a cheerful giver. God wants you and me to enjoy our generosity our giving back to Him. If you knew you could do something that your Heavenly Father loved, you'd want to do it. And we learn what that is here. God loves a cheerful giver. As I've referenced earlier, this wasn't a tax. This was not coerced. This was not manipulation. This was a free will offering. Here's another truth. Offerings have long been a part of God's plan, including the people that were engaged in this work. Offering something back to God has always been a part of the process. And here we see, let me say it one more time, nomadic people who had served in bondage, giving with incredible generosity. So generous, so over the top, was their giving. So sacrificial was their giving, Moses actually has to put an edict out stopping them from giving more. Now, I don't think we have fear of that 
here, but listen in to verse 6 of chapter 36. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. There was a cutoff in the line, no more. We're restraining you from bringing. Now, I've found that Christians who are yielded to the will of God, Christians who are aligned with the will of God, are the most generous people. Christians who are aware, believers who are aware that they're forgiven, that their stewards are generous people. They're cheerful givers. One of the great examples of extravagant generosity is here in Exodus 35. And, and the wealth was exceeding. But honestly, they didn't have much beyond that. I mean, the shoes and the clothes that they wore had to last a really long time. And yet they gave out of poverty and at the same time out of wealth with the spoils. We note something in 2 Corinthians 8 that teaches us a similar principle. Moreover, brethren, Paul writes, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that these churches, in great trial of affliction, he wrote, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, let me say, in essence, what he's saying is, although these people were poor, they were so thankful for the grace of God in their lives that they came together and sacrificially and generously gave to meet the needs of others. Generosity and gratitude always go together. It's not based on what we have it's based on what we can give. That's why giving is referred to as grace in the New Testament. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 8, As ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also, in this gift also, in this giving as well. It takes you a while to mature to this point, to understand that giving is a privilege. And I don't say that to you as a pastor trying to drum up an offering. I say that to you as a Christian myself, as a church member myself, participating in offerings, giving back to the Lord. It's a privilege. For the people that are here in Exodus 35, they are very aware of the goodness of God. Now, they weren't perfect people. Certainly, they've, I mean, just three chapters earlier, they're building golden calves. But they are aware of the goodness. They're aware of the power of God, of the nearness of God. They're aware of the voice of God. They're aware of all of this. And out of that knowledge, they're giving. They know that God is good. They know that they have been saved from Egypt. They know that they've crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They know that God has provided them with water and food to eat. So it just seemed like a natural response to give back to God. Generosity to them, for lack of a better term, is just a no-brainer. They knew they were working 
because God was doing something that they were a part of. Based on their gratitude, they're very generous. And listen, the needs of the tabernacle, it was a big goal. The needs were varied. In fact, the list as you get into the construction of the tabernacle is quite long. Some people really gave their effort to be a part of it. We might say no one person could possibly have given all of the material that was on this list because of how varied it was. But if everybody did their part with their heart willing, set on what God was doing, gratefully generous and sacrificial, the goal was accomplished. I could say to you, if we wanted to call a time out and stop for just a second and heap praise upon the person who was responsible for what goes on at this church, it would be impossible. Because the reality is too many people have had a part in what is going on. It's not just one person that we would say thank you to. This is just a group of obedient people coming together. I thought this was interesting. One wrote, this is a moment in Scripture to savor. And if you've studied the children of Israel, certainly it is. It says, it's one of the rare times in Exodus, indeed, in the whole Old Testament, when the people of God actually did what they were told to do. Rather than doing their own thing or worshiping false gods, they obeyed what God commanded. This was marvelous. This was a community effort. Nearly everyone participated. That's the sense that we get. Restrained from giving. In a world that is so fractured and divided, isn't it good to be able to come together for a common goal? The work of God with generosity and willing hearts. This is the mindset. This is the proper heart set when it comes to giving to the Lord. The final thing that I want to communicate is Those that gave certainly gave something away. But what we grasp from Scripture is this. Though the bottom line may have been dented for a moment, really what they were doing was just redistributing their wealth. And for us in particular here now, when we give to the Lord, though our bottom line may be hit For a temporary moment, the fact is what we give will not be forgotten and what we give will last forever. We're redistributing our wealth. We're transferring our wealth. Notice this from Matthew 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your, is your heart here or in eternity? Is it with the Lord? Is it in heaven? Where are you? Where am I in this? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, running over. Men shall give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet... With all, it shall be measured to you again. It's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. I sense it. I know that you sense it. It's also a stewardship. It's a responsibility. And as we just take time in the coming weeks, simply revisiting scriptural principles that I know you know and that you know I know, it helps us to have our hearts in the right place, not coerced, not manipulated, recognizing that we have the privilege to be a part of something God is doing, 
that will last beyond our earthly years. Because of what he's done for us, we're generous, coming together for a common goal. What a great privilege it is to be a part of that gathering. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, right now, I pray that you'd help us to humble ourselves, to seek your will. Lord, to be enabled to participate sacrificially and generously so that we can see your work go forward and be done. Thank you for the privilege of participating with you in this endeavor. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.